Arcana Imperii. I'm Gabrielle Roberts, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ariana Roberts. Today, we'll be interviewing Dan Coe, who is running for Congress in Massachusetts. Yeah, so some brief background about Dan Coe is that he served as Chief of Staff to Mayor Marty Walsh from 2014 to 2017. He was also General Manager of the Huffington Post and Chief of Staff to Ariana Huffington. Coe graduated from prestigious Phillips Academy in Andover, and did a Bachelor of Arts at Harvard in 2007, and also an MBA. There's a record amount of candidates running for the 3rd District, so why you? Yeah, for two reasons. One, um, there's a lot of great uh, ideas out there and topics, but I really think the Democratic Party needs to refocus on what they make the American dream possible. issue for the third district, what would your top priority be? Well, I think that there's a lot. I think the first and foremost is this president, who I believe is a fundamental threat to our country um, and doesn't believe in the America that I think so many people in the district believe in, one that's open, one that's inclusive. So I would want to stand up to him with virtually everything that he does. Um, I also think that we need to make sure that we are fighting for good health care, make sure that everyone has the shot um, at being healthy despite uh, any kind of pre-existing condition, and that means fighting for the ACA, but also fighting for a single-payer system. I also think that we need to make sure that we're having a comprehensive jobs plan, one that includes $50 minimum wage, one that prepares us for technology and, and, and potential employment for technology, um, and finally, one that uh, calls for a comprehensive infrastructure bill for roads, for bridges, but also for school buildings, which are falling apart throughout the country and really do need that empowerment from the federal level. So you mentioned health care. So is health care a right or a privilege? The Trump administration Department of Justice is trying to deny coverage to millions of Americans based on pre-existing health conditions. So what can be done about this? I think that it's definitely a right, and I think that no one should get sick and go bankrupt, which is happening in this country every single day. So education has been important to your life. How can the issue of college affordability be helped out? Do you make in-state college free and reserve most spots at in-state schools for in-state students? Yeah, I feel like we need to make community college free for everyone. Um, I think it's clear that um, the kind of training programs that can exist at community colleges would be able to um, help us fill skills gaps and make sure that people have access to a good, well-paying job. Um, I also think that we need to really take a hard look at free public college under a certain income level. Um, because I really think the return on investments there. If people are able to get a good quality education and they're not saddled with student debt, they're able to really uh, give back to their communities and uh, you know, actually proactively contribute more from a tax perspective than they otherwise would. So I really do believe in that. Um, you know, as far as uh, as far as in state uh, versus out of state, something I need to take a further look at. But certainly, I think we need to make sure that people who are going to public universities in state have the shot to go there, and if they're study hard and they're qualified, they should have the shots to be educated there. Who are your heroes? Um, I have a number of them. Uh, first and foremost, I think my mom. My mom uh, is a eye doctor, someone who uh, balanced raising a family with having a full-time practice 
Um, and I don't know how she does it, but she always did it with the most incredible grace um, and humility. And I really, really respect that. Honestly, same goes for my wife, who has been standing by my side since the beginning of this campaign. And, um, you know, it's, it's oftentimes uh, feeling the brunt of this whole stress process. And then finally, from a political perspective, I have an incredible amount of respect for Nelson Mandela and his leadership, both during the apartheid movement and then after as, as you know, the leader of South Africa. So, um, you know, a number of different mentors who have helped kind of fuel my perspectives over the years. Support from Mayor Marty Walsh has been an important differentiation for your campaign in this crowded race. How much help is this endorsement? Has there been any negatives to the top business people in Boston picking you? I don't think so. You know, my focus has been on the district and it has been from the very beginning. And I'm very proud to have the support of people who have seen my work, who have worked closely with me and has decided that I would be make a good congressman. You know, Mayor Walsh is my mentor. He's my he's my former boss. I've learned a great amount from him, and just being able to have his support is really an incredible honor for me. How do you respond to criticism that there's too much money in politics and there's too much donor money instead of small donor raised outside the third district? Has all this changed since Citizens United? I think that certainly there needs to be incredible amounts of reform in government. We need to end Citizens United. We need to have publicly financed elections. We need to support the Sarbanes Amendment, which is the Government for the People Act, which allows for a, uh, a match on, on funds under a certain amount. Um, we really do need that. The reality is there's too much money in politics. It's something we need to get rid of. What are your thoughts on how to improve public transport for the 3rd District? Is this highway improvement, sending the Red Line T to Lexington or Acton, or something else? It's, it's all of the above. Um, I think that we had a president who called for more infrastructure spending, but itself actually was pathetically money. We need to make sure that we are creating an environment in which infrastructure is strong, in which uh, we're able to invest the, the kind of money we need so that our roads and bridges, our public transportation, as well as our school buildings are up to code. The reality is cities and towns throughout this district just simply don't have the money to do it themselves, and that's where the federal government needs to come in. You've been endorsed by union workers. After they interviewed you, all the other candidates in the field, what is it about your campaign that better understands and represents their needs? Yeah, we're very focused on the core issues that make the American dream possible. That's jobs and health care. And for us, really making sure that we are, um, we are fighting for middle class and working class people. I mean, the system is rigged against those people. Um, economic mobility continues to be a struggle for so many of these people. And we are very proud to have the support of working class families because we know that unions have stood with the middle class to allow for the American dream in so many different ways. And so that, that message has resonated with those groups and we're very, very proud to have their support. Okay, since there's been a rise of automation and artificial intelligence, they're starting to take over more and more skilled labor jobs. Does this make unions needed for even white collar jobs? I think it's definitely something to look at. I think the right to organize is, is, is American as apple pie, and we need to make sure that um, you know people have the right to organize and have the right to use their strength to to bargain for the appropriate uh, worker conditions and the appropriate salaries and allow for economic mobility. I also think you know the the issue of automation is yet another data point as to why we need to have um, a you know free community college in this country and to be able to work closely with our community colleges to allow for people to get good, well-paying jobs to be trained in the skills gaps area. That's really, really important. 
um, and it's something that I think not a lot of people are talking about at DC, and especially for our generation, it's something that we really need to take a look at as um, as we as we uh, continue to improve our technology at a rate we've never seen before in our lives. So Lincoln once said, "We are not enemies, but friends. We must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection." The mystic chords of memory will swell when again touched, as surely they will be by the better angels of our nature. In this hyper-partisan age, when people don't even have the same set of reality-based facts, how do you bridge this divide and work in a bipartisan manner? It's a great question. I think working on the area of jobs and infrastructure is a great place to start. The reality is with automation technology, a number of jobs are going to be lost over the next 10 years or so. And so both sides, yeah, are going to find, need to find out how we help people who have, who have lost their jobs. You know, secondly, I think of infrastructure, I think both sides, yeah, want infrastructure spending. They want to be able to talk to their constituencies and their districts about how they brought good jobs to their neighborhoods so, uh, and good infrastructure to their neighborhoods. So I certainly think the incentive is there for people to work together in that regard. If there's anything like a Trump doctrine towards Russia, China, now North Korea, it seems to be moral equivalents. We're all killers, might makes right, etc. This goes against what Alexis de Tocqueville said. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, America will cease to be great. Is human rights and the idea of American exceptionalism still relevant? I think that we need to restore our leadership in the world. I think the only reason why a Lebanese Korean guy can run for Congress is because his ancestors grew up in an inclusive America. And the reality is we have a president who wants to stand for exclusion and, and pushing people away, and I think that's wrong. So I think to your point, I think absolutely we need to push for an America that's inclusive and open and not the one this president stands for, um, and continue to push that forward. It's very important. Uh, we're, we're at a point right now, an inflection point really, where um, we face increasing competition from other countries, and right now we have a president who seems to be you know, flying by the seat of his pants. I don't think the mighty right strategy is at all appropriate. I think we need more diplomacy and we need more conversation. So do you have any message for young students? Yeah, I would tell them that it's really important to get involved in your town and your city and your in your town and in your city and in your um, you know, congressional district. I would try to volunteer and work with your uh, elected officials and then, you know, if you're interested in joining our campaign, we have an amazing crop of summer fellows. Uh, this summer, and you can just go to co2018.com, that's koh2018.com to learn more, and we'd love to have you join our team. Okay, so thank you for going on to the show and taking time to answer our questions. So. Thank you so much. Both of you have a great day.